Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to our next guest is. Hello and welcome to another Our Next Guest Is. This is a conversation where we meet the country's leading speakers and entertainers in the corporate and events world and we find out the person behind the name. My name is Michael Pope and I'm here with Carson White from Leading Voice. Carson, who is our next guest? Our next guest started life as a corporate lawyer. Realising she had so much more to offer, she traded her heels for running shoes and set out to change the world through highly collaborative social impact campaigns. Her thirst for adventure, experience and thrill for life has allowed her to discover what she cares about most, achieving social change through the vehicle adventure running. Today, she's an endurance athlete, a corporate presenter, writer and social entrepreneur. Running into our studio right now, please welcome our next guest, Samantha Gash. I'm just so sweaty from running into the studio. Yeah. <laughs> you are. Take a break, sit down, have a drink. Now, listen, I walk to my local shops, which are about, I don't know, one and a half Ks. I do that about twice a week. How quickly could I get up to your speed? <laughs> I mean, I always say the longer you go, the slower you go as well. It's kind of acceptable. Like if you're going to go for really long distances, such as run across India, no one's <laughs> checking how quickly you're doing each kilometre. Um, but it's run always across a- India. No <laughs> one runs across India. Oh, I'm sorry, you did. <laughs> um, let's start in 2012. I know there's an earlier place to start, but in 2012, you did 379 kilometers nonstop across the Simpson Desert. W- why? What was the thing that in your mind said, that's what I want to do next? I had been doing ultra marathons for a couple of years, for two years at that point. And I had been doing very, you know, race constructed events. So, you know, a race director outlines the distance, your start point, your egg point, when they're going to provide water drops um, and kind of really just provide that overarching parameter of what the experience is going to look like in terms of the blueprint. And I was in uh, the, the race in 2011 where in Australia and the outback that got erupted by the, the bushfire, mm. a hundred kilometer event. And I was just ahead of the fire. Um, and I had just come back from being in India. And I guess there was a degree of guilt, um, relief, that I actually had gone out too hard in that race. But by going out too hard and allowing the ego to dominate, it actually had saved me from getting caught up in the fire. Was that well, the one Tura Pitt was um, caught in? Yeah, yeah. correct. Nothing gets you going faster than the idea of getting burnt on your tail because of a major bushfire. Yeah, but we didn't know that it was, I mean, obviously we know as Australians that bushfires are incredibly dangerous, but sometimes when you put into an environment where you think someone has your safety, um, Mm. you know, in their hands, you just think it's going to be okay. Mm. And when you're so dialed and focused into the objective of getting to a finishing line, whatever that finishing line is, we sometimes operate in a bubble and we don't realise that like life, nature, environment, global pandemic are always out of our control. And so when I finished that race, uh, I've got to say, I probably stayed in my bed for a really long time and it was a, an adjustment to, you know, survivor guilt, kind of analysing what that race could have been. Uh, and I kind of came away from it going, I still want to be in the space of extreme adventure racing, but I need it to count for something more now than just these physical steps of how far can I push myself. And I've always been heavily involved in um, social impact and contribution, but it may be being a bit more of a tack on 
and so I just started to think, well, I wanted to be a lawyer because I wanted to work for the UN, but maybe, just maybe, I can make an impact in the social arena and in the concept of contribution through my footsteps. And so that run across the Simpson Desert, which I know it sounds so ridiculous when you say 379 kilometres nonstop, mm. it was my creation in the sense of I chose the distance, I chose how I was going to do it, I built my support crew and I built my why and my whole kind of digital campaign about trying to support um, early education programs uh, within Indigenous communities partnering with Save the Children. And so that was really, I wanted to, I'd been overseas so much racing that I wanted to get back to the roots of Australia and back to the roots of kind of where I wanted to be in this space of, of endurance. I was watching the TEDx talk you did, which was excellent, by the way. And in there, you um, you talk about the yes quest. What's the yes quest? I now think of myself and I know that I'm a very yes person. And now my quest is to learn to say no. That <laughs> at the early 20s, um, you know, young woman, I was studying this double degree in performing arts and law and I didn't realise that I was a very big no person uh, because I never wanted to do things when I didn't know what the outcome would be. I was actually terrified of being um, portrayed as a failure or not capable at something. Mm. So I just loved to play it in my safe lane. And I, I often say just because you're playing it in this safe lane doesn't mean that you're not being successful, but you're not getting that full benefits of stretch and exposure to different people and different environments that can really formulate how we interact with different people. And so I just decided as a university student, like this year, like this year is going to be all about saying yes to as many things as possible. And it was kind of like a challenge. And I just had this thing of like exposing myself to different spaces. So the Yes Quest was just doing lots of different things. So I went out into the middle of the Australian desert and I performed circus arts. I lived uh, in a national park, multiple national parks out west in the US, and I did my first marathon. So, Fantastic. you know, Yes Quest. And that was inspired by um, the actor Bud Tingwell, wasn't it, saying um, the secret to success is just saying yes. Yeah, Bud Tingwell, um, you know, just this iconic Australian actor who I was very fortunate throughout university to act alongside. He kind of gave that pearl of wisdom. And you look at someone who had led, led his life and he's like, I always say yes. He did it his whole life. And I now talk about his story, but I also say like the caveat, particularly for women, um, is to then learn the power of knowing when to say no. And that's kind of been the evolution of my trajectory through my 30s is, you know, once you know what you love, saying no so you can focus on those things is really powerful. So I'm a bit confused. Today, are you more of a yes girl or a no girl? My default setting is yes. My, um, but I know that I have to say no right. in order to really focus and commit to the things that are important to me. This conversation about yes, no segues nicely into one of your many quotes that you can find on samanthagash.com. And that is, if you want something you've never had, you must be willing to do something you've never done. Do you want to expand on that? Well, it kind of links to that whole thing of when I was in my 20s and I just realised that my exposure to experiences and what I drew from in my present life was so narrow. Uh, and I just thought, I've just not done so many things, so I don't know what I'm capable of. Mm. I... I've only met X amount of people who think the same way that I think. Mm. Um, how am I going to be uh, a great mother? How am I going to be, you know, 
great in the professional arena if I don't kind of start to stretch and move into different places. So it's the whole thing of the yes quest. Do things that maybe you're a little bit fearful of, um, that you don't know what it's going to look like. They're both the journey and the end destination. And following on from that, you suggest that we need to learn to become comfortable in the discomfort. What's that meaning? Well, in the year 2020, I think it's been, everyone's been doing that whether they realise or not. Um, maybe I just pioneered it in like adventure world. <laughs> you but did. Yeah, everyone's going through it right now. I mean, this comfortable and the discomfort is, you know, and everyone's discomfort is different. So whilst I speak about it in running an ultra marathon, like for some people it could be walking to... To the shops, one and a half k's every time. Discomfort in parenthood. Um, like, you know, we never know what's going to happen the next day with our children. We always feel like we're kind of playing it blind or in our work arena. So being comfortable in the discomfort means we are happy to play in a space where maybe naturally we feel um, uncomfortable. We feel not, we don't necessarily feel like we belong or that we're great at, but we're willing to be in that space. I think there's a T-shirt in that, Michael, in my long tradition of coming up with taking a quote and putting onto a T-shirt, comfortable in the discomfort. I think that's a fantastic T-shirt. We'll come back to you on that, Sam. You know, but I, I think, you know, that uncomfortable and discomfort, like a lot of times people might look at some of the things that I do and like, I'm not someone who can hide my emotions. So I often look like I'm in like severe pain when I'm running because yeah. it's not natural to me. Like I had to work really hard and they go, why would you want to be in pain? And I'm like, the line of pain and discomfort is like so close. Yep. And I always say like discomfort is this sensation of something that you're not familiar with. And whenever you go from something that you do know to something that you don't know, there's this really clunky phase in the middle where we're finding our way, i.e. the discomfort. Yeah. And I reckon that's where a lot of people quit because they feel like maybe they're an imposter, they're being a failure, they, they don't belong in that space. And so they don't kind of extend themselves to create their new normal. What is one thing that people can do that um, can help them start that journey into that space of the discomfort space? I would say it's exposure to incremental experiences that are beyond your norm. Yep. And I would start by doing it in a more safe and supported environment. So, you know, let's say you've never run before, but you like the idea of going out and doing the Mother's Day Classic. Go and join a running group with a friend. Um, so you're surrounded by people who live and breathe that, but you've got a friend alongside you for companionship and support so it makes that um, entering into this new space feel a little bit more protected. Um, it's the whole like idea of exposure therapy. You take yourself to a place that you're fearful of, but you do it in this like haven, safe environment that it then becomes normalised. Mm -hmm. so that's the first experiential thing. And the next thing is all about mindset. Like you've got to build up your belief that you're capable. Capability is completely connected to desire as well. Um, and then once we commit to things mentally, the kind of the next steps naturally will follow based on that belief. Anyone who does spend some time with you clearly meets a woman who is driven not just to run for her own sake, but the charities that you've supported through the endeavours of your sport are incredible. You, you've raised almost two million bucks. What is it in you that's driving that desire to give to others? There's a natural desire by a lot of people to very, be very eye-centric. Um, to see everything from the lens of their world. And I think through the yes quest of experience, again, through growing in our unknown, we start to see the real perspective of like the global situation mm. that all of us are sitting on this conversation right now, the fact that we can have this conversation, we're probably pretty privileged. 
-hmm. And this year being the year 2020, we've each probably uh, experienced different levels of suffering. And the reality is our suffering um, is situational and there's people who live in a high degree of suffering every single day of the year, not through choice. And I think once you know that, it's very hard to not have an empathy and a desire to use your specific skill sets and your time on this planet, which we all have the same, you know, amount of hours in a day to try and focus more on the collective and more on the we. Wow, great answer. Fantastic. Take us to that moment where the efforts you've done both for yourself in running and fundraising and so forth took you to the stage where you thought, well, maybe I've got some some nuggets to share with a greater audience. How did that come about? It's one of the probably more natural things that's happened in my life. Often I feel like I've been pushing boulders up a hill. <laughs> is that a sport? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> probably, it probably is. Start it. <laughs> you know, like I'm this sub five foot small framed woman that often rocks up at the start line of a race and people think I'm supporting a boyfriend or, you know, I run across countries where people think it's not safe, so I shouldn't be doing it. But being on stage and presenting has been one of the most organic things that's happened in my life. Um, I, I studied a double degree that also involved performing arts as well as law. Right. And so that's I've a always... hell of a double degree, that one. I don't <laughs> think there's too many people with both. Yeah, well, no, there's two people who did it. Um, oh, right. so can I can I just add in here, uh, just because I don't want to miss this opportunity, coming up to start lines, people thinking, oh, you're there to support someone else. You were at the time the first woman and the youngest person at the time to complete the Four Deserts Grand Slam. I just want to, you know, our listeners to acknowledge that uh, this is the lady that we're talking mm -hmm. to. So sorry, Sam, back to you. So. After I did the kind of the four deserts grant sign, people were just curious. Um, I very much did that experience to test my mental and physical capabilities because I was so sheltered beforehand. And I think the first time you expose yourself to being outside of your comfort zone, you learn so much about yourself. And those experiences hold you in great stead in everything that you ever do. And um, when I kind of got out of it, people wanted to hear about it. So it was a very casual, I got up on stage because... I love performing arts and I love connecting and communicating. Like I put a lot of effort and thought into sharing this experience and not just making it about here, let's run an ultra marathon. Cause the reality is I actually think running is quite boring. It's the, the stuff. <laughs> I'd agree there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it truly yeah. is like I have a podcast yeah. myself and I speak to adventurers and trailblazers in the athletic world and, you know, entrepreneur world as well. And I'm constantly said, but you don't speak about running. And I'm like, because that's not interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mindset stuff. It's the why, it's the connection. It's it's what yeah. people learn by doing that. That's yeah. so much more fascinating. So quickly, there was a lot of parallels that came out from my experiences into the corporate arena. And when I was prepping to do that run across the Simpson Desert, I had been, I was doing a roadshow for the AFA Gen X roadshow because I knew someone. And someone from AMP saw me and said, I'd like you to come and speak at our quarterly forum. And then from that, I said, hey, I'm doing a project. Do you want to sponsor me? And he goes, well, we will sponsor you um, if you go and do a couple of talks for us. And then it just <laughs> right. from there. And it doesn't and quite sound like sponsorship. That sounds <laughs> like you working for the fee that then <laughs> goes to the cause. But anyway. Yeah. That is that sponsorship. Like I think what people don't realise is that it's always an exchange. Yeah. It's otherwise it's a freebie. A, a yeah. sponsorship is a commercial arrangement where they receive the benefit from the financial contribution that they get. 
And I would also say that's why I've been successful in the endurance world on a professional stage because I get that concept. Cool. Like that corporate version that it's not about, yay, I'm just running and give me money to do what I do. Like that's not what it's, you know, it's about how do we share experiences. I was watching a video where you were um, at one of your talks and you, I think it was when you were running with a partner, Lisa, and you were doing it tough and you had that uh, look of discomfort on both of your faces. Um, <laughs> but you talk about how you guys are almost at the point where you, you were, you were going to give you were not give up, but you were, you were really struggling. And I think Lisa made some comment about how, um, how she was really in a lot of pain. It was really, it was really hurting. And at that point you realized how vulnerable uh, she was. And you talk about vulnerability and I really connected with that. Do you want to just share your thoughts on vulnerability? Oh, it's so funny because, you know, ultra running, people see it as very solo. And I think my naive impression at the beginning was like, it's you against the clock and it's the environment. I'm doing it just by myself. And then you get to these races and you are always influenced in some kind of way, positively and negatively by the people around you. And it's your choice how you choose to be influenced. Um, and that's the same thing in everyday life. Like we're not these silo beings that don't have interconnectedness. Like we always can reach out if we choose to make that decision. And so Lisa just was such a veteran of the sport and knew the power of alliances. And uh, there was this really long stage, 100 kilometres in the Gobi Desert. It was characterised as the oven, 52 degrees. And she's like, let's run together. And I basically was like, I will do whatever it takes to stick with this woman. Mm -hmm. And um, I was like flailing in a really bad way, not composed, overwhelmed, mind like bursting. And I started to realise that I was the follower and she was the leader. And I was, I kept felt feeling that I was dragging her behind. And it's a really terrible place to be to feel that you're letting someone down, but they're sticking with you out of obligation. And it doesn't fuel you physically or mentally to be better. Uh, and then there was this one point with like 5K left to go uh, where I was feeling pretty shit, but yeah. she all of a sudden threw herself into the sand dune and just said, like, I don't think I'm going to get out of here alive. Yeah, right. And being her vulnerable completely altered my state of being and I went from being this quite pathetic follower with no like responsibility about our dynamic. Uh, and I kind of like physically pulled her up and helped her get through the next part of the, the race to the finishing line. And I just realized leadership is actually not about always just being the warrior and being strength and clarity of objective. It's actually willing to allow other people to rise uh, and feel empowered. And that's at the end of the day, our objective is to get to whatever finishing line we're talking about, you know, whether it's an ultra marathon or a project or, you know, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. I think people need trust and vulnerability is something that creates trust in people as opposed to having this resolute mindset that's, well, resolute objective of where you're going when it's not realistic. How did your friend, when she threw herself into the sand hill, take when you started talking about, come on, let's be comfortable in the discomfort and you went into your speech? Was that, <laughs> did that really help at that moment? I didn't go into the speech. <laughs> I bet. You know, I, bet I, you I was in a world of suffering too. Like, I think I just literally said to her, we can do this. And I'm like, <laughs> sometimes less is more. I, I love to talk, but sometimes in these situations, you don't need to say much. You just need to be there and create space mm. for that person that they are going to be safe. So let's talk about talks and speeches. What other kind of topics do you bring into the space in the corporate world now that you're speaking in that space? So 
I look at human potential um, on an individual level, personally and professionally, I, I just look at how teams can go to the edge of the world, meaning a, an arena where they don't know what the end destination is going to be. Um, what is that interplay between people? How we can turn the things that we're passionate through uh, into, you know, using passion, purpose and process and connecting that together. So, yeah, it's very much looking about how people can be resilient individually, but also resilient teams to create outcomes that people can be proud of. Do you create a workshop where you get everyone out of the conference room and run around the building and go up the stairs to the 25th floor? Do you do that sort of stuff? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and I think that, <laughs> well, not exactly that, but I think there is a real desire now for people to experience that people don't just want to listen to someone talk on stage about their personal experiences. They don't want inspiration. They want aspiration. They want to feel themselves in that situation. And it doesn't require people to do an ultra marathon to feel extended and to feel kind of a unique level of connection with their peers. And so it is really great to be able to present a keynote and then be able to work with people on a level that's going to stick with them well beyond the talk. Fantastic. Yep. Samantha, terrific to meet you. You're one of our many guests who have lived a life with a focus, uh, yes, doing what you love doing, running and being a lawyer and so forth. But supporting that is clearly a desire and passion to do something far more impactful than what might be happening to you. And for the charity work that you've been doing, it, it is inspirational. I'm sure anyone being in your talks will leave that being inspired uh, by your story and experiencing it and reflecting on themselves and taking that energy with them. So thanks for your time today. Oh, my pleasure. And thanks for having me. And if you want to go on Sam's next ultra marathon, please go to, no, no, just joking. Um, if you want to book Sam for your next conference or event, please go to samanthagash.com. That was Our Next Guest Is with Carson White from Leading Voice and your MC, Michael Pope. To hear more of our guests, you can find us on iTunes or simply visit www.ournextguestis.com.au. But until next time, let's take a break.